Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper. And remember, I'm only as hip as my guests. And I have to tell you, people, it was a year ago today, or yesterday, well, how you look at it, I was in the hospital now. I was in the hospital with a congestive heart failure. And I'm very healthy now, but it was very weird because when, you, when you're younger, and I mean, I, I'll be 50 in, uh, at the end of October, but when you're younger and you get stuck on a floor with a bunch of old people with heart problems, it's very scary. Because one, I'm getting, I'm getting stir crazy. I, I'm sitting in a room, then there's no operation. I'm looking out the window. You know, I was supposed to be back east with my good friends playing. I had gone to a Phillies baseball game, but I had to cancel the flight, ate the tickets. My friends went. They're sending me pictures of them boozing it up, and I'm sitting there in the hospital. And so they let you walk around, but what they do is they let you walk around on the floor that you're on. You can't go outside. It's sunny. I'm right here in Burbank. I'm like, can I please just go outside? They're like, no. So I'm walking up and down this hallway, and all I see is these old people about to die and it was so sad and then at night the guy next to me you're supposed to get one visitor and it's like I think it's like for till six o'clock this is no lie it was a Latino man he had about 20 people in that room this is no lie and they were there until like 10 o'clock I swear to God I think they had a pinata and a few roosters in there because they would not be quiet but I'm healthy now and uh, that's why I have my first guest on he was uh, the guest when I was under the gun I had no energy I just I was looking at him. I'm like, and you know, I'm, he he won't admit it because he's a very nice and humble guy. But he, he's a, he's he's a big TV guy, and I was like, I was all flattered, and I'm sitting there dragging myself up to the studio, and I went through it. But he was he was fortunate. I was fortunate to have him come back on. And my guest is Mark Valley. How you doing, Mark? Hey, great, Steve. No, it's, good. It's funny because when you came in that day, and we had talked. Yeah. Mark's good friends with Bill Dwyer, who was my guest right before him, and, and we said, Bill, you know, great guy, but he's a little loud and a little high maintenance. Yeah. Well, it's funny because I walked in that day and it felt like something. I mean, whenever you walk into a room, you get a vibe for what had just previously happened. And now that you mention it, I mean, I walked back in. Bill is himself. He's 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 you know, <laughs> he's high, he's high energy and it's high quality. You know, at the same time, which is always fun. But you had this sort of thin layer of sweat all over your head. Yeah, you know what I mean. And um, and it looked like and Bill kind of looked at me like. Like he had just been trying to give you CPR and it wasn't working. Well, that's basically what it was, though. I mean, I was. The funny thing is, and I, that's what I learned. It was like the paramedics finally showed up, and it's like he's yours now. Yeah, you know, exactly. Do what you can. Well, I learned during that whole uh, fiasco and the sickness, the big difference between being tired and being exhausted. And being tired is like, yeah, I don't want to get out of bed. Being exhausted is, I can't get out of bed. It took all my energy to get up here to walk down my steps where I live and then walk. I live on yeah. a two level, then walk down, get into my car, drive, yeah. walk. I mean, take the elevator, and but it was it was hard, and I wanted to because you, you you're such an interesting story, and uh, and because I had sent you a message because you were doing comedy. Now, are you still doing comedy? Or are, you, are you not really? Wait, wait a second, wait a second. You almost died. That's the interesting. No, story. you know, I didn't almost die. I, you know, it was I. I had congestive heart failure, and and right. I mean, it was when they say heart and failure in the same sentence. Right. It's yeah. big, but it's basically it's there's, it's fluid, and that's like they always say. Like Ed, Ed Koch, they go, he died of congestive heart failure. No, Ed Koch died because he was eighty eight. Okay, he didn't right. die of Liberace heart failure. Liberace died of congestive heart failure. Yeah, right. <laughs> I just, did you see that? I saw that movie, it was amazing. I just watched it together. Michael, you do not at once think it was Michael Douglas. Oh my God, wasn't it? You, you think like, wow, that guy sort of looks like, or it could have been Michael Douglas, or maybe they CGI'd part of Michael right. Douglas, but it was really amazing, yeah. Now, would you ever play a role like that? Sure. I mean, we yeah. had to, would you make out with a guy? Sure. But what yeah. if it was like Abe Vigoda? Would you make out with Abe Vigoda? Absolutely. I would just, <laughs> I'd go for it. And if me and Abe had a thing going on, yeah. So, okay. Now, 
Barney Miller. But you know, Hal Linden. <laughs> I love I love that show. I, yeah. you know, what were yeah. some of your favorite shows growing up as a kid, and what made you get into this whole acting? area i know you were in the military and stuff like yeah. that but did you like certain shows as a kid yeah i did i really liked i liked barney miller when i was a kid okay, I great was, i loved the guy sitting at the desk and there was wojahoets and jack um, sue yeah and i think also <laughs> i think uh, welcome back cotter was on around the same time and i started doing a john travolta in person do you still do it kid Oh, wow, I don't really want to get into it. Okay, <laughs> it's not pro- it's not really professional right now. <laughs> and uh, and um, let's see who I, and uh, what other shows did I watch? I used to watch. I had two sisters too, so early on we would kind of fight. Like, what's it going to be? Little House in the Prairie or, um, you know, Six Million Dollar Man? Right. So, um, that's an interesting story I can tell you later. I mean, I loved the Six Million Dollar Man and Steve Austin. I think somebody asked me once on. Um, uh, uh, People Magazine when I was doing this action show they said hey you know the, um, who are your favorite TV shows when you're a kid and I said oh I love the Six Million Dollar Man and about a month later I got a call from someone that said oh Mark Lee Majors has a call for you really yeah so I walked around for a week just you know holding his phone number telling my friends like yeah I, I owe a call to Lee Majors you know I owe, I owe a call to uh, to Lee Majors so I finally called him and I um, was like yeah Mark listen I love your work on that new action show and uh appreciate you mentioning my name that is so cool that might that must make as as you know because you love the show as a kid that must I, just made you i mean just yeah would you ever do a remake if they made the remake would you ever be the six million dollar man i'd love to be the six million dollar man okay. anyway he said you know because listen uh, i really like that show and i'm probably old enough to uh play their mentor or father or something on that show so i'd be interested if you guys are so i mentioned it to the producers and they brought him on and he played like this the previous guy who sort of taught me everything that i I knew. How cool was that? Came I mean, on and did an episode. Yeah, no, that was Human Target. Human Target. Okay. Yes. How? How? I mean, that must just be like, so like sur- I hate these words surreal. It was surreal, but it is. That's something that you sit there and you go, "Wow, this is." I mean, and as a kid, we all lovely majors, and we all had the hots for Lindsay Wagner when she was a bionic yeah, woman. Yeah. And it's. I mean, just to be working with someone that must just. I mean, were you a little? Not awestruck, but were you a little nervous at points because you're like, God, this is a guy I idolized when I was a kid. I was, I was not, I was, I was nervous, even just from meeting him in his, in his trailer. But, um, once we started working together, it got to be really fun. I mean, there's the kid inside him who's jumping up and down saying, oh my God, you're with this, you're doing a scene with, you know, Steve Austin, whatever. But, um, he, he's really sort of disarming and it made me realize that, you know, whoever you are, whoever you're working with, you have an awful lot of power to instruct people of how to be treated, you know, and he just acted like one of the guys and was, you know, generous and. I mean, here's a guy who, at one time, they, they built an apartment for him on the Warner Brothers lot. Because, really? You know, he was just, he, just didn't, he got tired of driving back and forth to work. Could you so. imagine that? Just, I mean, you're, you're that big. I mean, you think yeah. about it. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, that's like, they didn't give you a, a special trailer. It's just like, you know, sitting on a bench and, you know, getting out of the way for the dude trying to pull the cables out from under his feet. He's like, oh, sorry about that. But that's, that's got to sit there. and that's, that, he, that kind of humility was inspiring. Yeah, and that's got to that's gotta be really to, I mean, I wish some of the younger people that you run into would understand that because this is the guy oh, who is, no. you know, I mean, it, it's these amazing. These kids these days. These, I know, isn't that awful? Every one of them thinks they're Lena Dunham. <laughs> Every one of them. So, and they are. They're all smart. They got computers on their laps while they're talking. And are you a big computer they're all guy? Making. Uh, I'm on a rant here. Okay. They're all making. They're all making. Uh, whatever. What do they call those things? Web series. Yeah. You. Oh, they're all YouTube yeah, they're stars. Just driving their junky cars around, parking everywhere, and making web series everywhere. 
Are you, are you a little bitter there? <laughs> I'm bitter. I, I, <laughs> I'm bitter. No, you're not. You're no, I'm not bitter. I mean, I, I did an episode of a, of a friend that I worked with. Her, her, she has a web series, and um, yeah, they shoot them all with cameras now. Just you know, those Canon cameras. It's amazing because I mean, you know, amazing, back yeah. in the day, I, I knew guys who've come on here. And when I did comedy in Philly, we had guys who would show up who wanted to do comedy but they're like film students at Temple and they'd be hustled to try to raise like $9,000 for like an eight minute film you know and now it's like if you have $9,000 and a little camera you can do like Star Wars basically yeah yeah well, that, you know, what was the web series you did? Uh, it, I played an I played a really I played an agent who um, it's about this girl who's kind of revisiting all these relationships in her life and finding out how selfish that she was but she meets someone who she used to work for who, who might have been responsible for the way she is and uh yeah it was fun to play an agent you know now i'm first of all i'm i'm, I'm sad about body approve okay no because my girlfriend loved that show yeah but last year the same i feel bad the same thing happened harry's law was canceled you felt fat a year ago <laughs> yeah i do but i feel it's like it's like in yesterday i had a guy pre-recorded the guy who was writing for that show on uh abc how to live with your parents for the rest of your life right which both shows i liked and mm -hmm. abc if you're listening you're stupid because you lost two good shows but last time i believe you left and you went hiking or, or, or you went somewhere you, you you go i know you go away and you do some weird hiking sometimes or oh yeah i went to france i went to chamonix and climbed mont blanc now are you gonna how was that um it was it was fantastic now really hard day of climbing now what but, got um, you into hiking uh, a friend of mine was in, i was in the army with uh, he had done some special forces stuff and had trained with the Austrians and all this stuff. So he had learned all this mountaineering and said, hey, you want to give this a try after he'd, we'd both gotten out of the Army. And we went to Mount Rainier and did um, did some climbs there. And pretty much for the past 12 years, I've done done a different hike every every year. Now, have you done one this year yet, or are you going to do one? Well, I did. I, I went up and climbed Mount Shasta, which was, um, you know, it's a 14er. But it, there's some definitely like some alpine stuff on the approach. It gets pretty steep. And some altitude as well. I was supposed to go to Bolivia, though, to climb for a few weeks, but I just don't have it in me. Just, <laughs> I mean, it, it must be exhausting. I mean, I mean, like I went to the gym yesterday. I was like 12 minutes on the treadmill. I haven't exercised for years and 15 minutes on the bike. And I was like, all right, you know, it's, it's a good start. But climbing, now you say 14, is that 14,000 feet? or 14,000 feet, yeah. Now, I mean, how does, is it true that the air gets so thin as you get higher? Is it hard to yeah. breathe? You start to feel it at about, usually about 10,000, 11,000 feet. And um, it, you might just feel a little bit more winded after taking a few steps up than you usually than you usually would. I'd imagine some of the people on that floor you shared you shared with might have a similar <laughs> experience. You know, you really start to feel like, wait a second, I, am I? Is there something wrong with me? I mean, now I'm sort of used to it, but you start to feel is there something wrong? Well, with that me? I, sh I shouldn't be this tired after one or two steps. That was my breathing during the whole thing. I was like, wow. You know, my friends kept saying, come to a party. I, I had cankles. I mean, I'm a thin guy. I had. I mean, my ankles were swollen. And I found out that's one of the things you keep You get fluid, ankles. And you get huge. I look like the Russian ladies in my neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> so are you still doing comedy? I know, yes. You, okay, yes. I, I took a little time off from it, but uh, yes. I now, what, what do you prefer more, the acting or the comedy? I mean, is, there, can you, is it two different things for you? Do you love them both? or is it? It's two completely different things. I mean, honestly, I, I really enjoy being an actor. I love just taking some material and putting my brain to work on it and letting instinct and then what I what I think kind of combine and work together and um, you know working with other people as well I think is, uh, is often fun and challenging and can bring some new things out so uh, I just realized yeah I really enjoy being an actor that's why I do a web series or something I just 
always wanted to be doing something. This year I went to Germany and did an episode um, of a German television show, and uh, I played a, a Scottish whiskey taster, but it was all in German, so I did this. I looked up on YouTube these whiskey tasters. And okay. Did, did a thing with that so yeah i love challenging myself as an actor and doing stuff well when you say it was all in german so did you have to, did you have to learn german or did they sit oh, i learned it, was, it i learned a lot of german when i was in the army I okay was, i was stationed in germany for about five years now how long you, you you when you got out of high school or college you went i know you were in the service went to west point graduated went in the army and for so you just did your i think what it's five years when you get out is that how long you have to be in the service yeah i mean okay and now after that did you want to stay or and be you know be an op i mean you get out i think believe you get out when you're an ensign when you get out is that true or no no you're uh, usually you get to be about a captain by the time you get out i was okay. a lieutenant <laughs> so did did you want to stay in no, no okay no. I, I after about three years i realized wow there's a big world out there and especially being stationed in, in, a, in a big city like berlin i'd never really lived in a large metropolis let alone like an international one like that so i realized wow there's a lot of other things to do in life and um i don't think the army's really gonna be all that really let me be all i can be yeah you know? <laughs> so I, I decided for like two or three years i decided to get out and um yeah, my last year I was working, I was just trying a variety of different things. I was working as an extra on a movie in Berlin and saw these people working and thought, wow, this could be a real job. Now, did you, but when you were younger, or even when you were in the Army, did you ever think that acting, this would be your life call? I mean, you know, you said, I mean, I'm sure when you went into the Army, in West Point, I mean, it's, it's very hard to get into, and it's a great accomplishment, you know, to get in that. But I wonder, you probably know some of the guys, from went, I can't think of their names, who went to West Point. I had like five guys from Cherry Hill East who went, I think John Avery, uh, Dave Young, I don't know. Dwight People, Eisenhower? Dwight Eisenhower, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, me, Gary Morris, he was there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so you, uh, so did you ever think, though, when you were in the Army, like when you're sitting there and you're, you know, or when you're doing... You know, the, the only time the, I really did, the only time I ever really felt that was I was a senior and I had taken over as company commander of my company. It was like 140 cadets or something. And every year they would give us, they would give a speech and you would, you would talk about your expectations for the unit and how proud they should be and what your motto is going to be and what your goals are and so forth. And I had heard these year after year from everybody that came in to be, and I thought, man, I want to, I want to do it differently this year. I want to do it. I want to, I want to do it so people won't, won't sleep through it. I want it to people to pay attention, you know? And then I thought, well, they're not going to get too excited about me. So what if I did it as, as George Patton? No, really. So you sat so there. So I sold some friends, and I said, "Look, I want to do it as as George Patton, you know, like the George C. Scott George Patton." Right. So some friends of mine thought I was crazy. They said, "You can't tell the tech <laughs> officer you're going to get in trouble for this." So, but it turned into this thing where everybody's running around getting me like a riding crop and medals, and I, you know, I knew somebody at the museum, and they got me an old uniform, and then spray painted an old helmet liner, and um, I went out there and had to, had adapted this speech to my company, basically. And started giving it, and the place just went nuts. And of course, my, you know, this captain in the back is rubbing his head, thinking, I don't know if I got to report him or what I can do. But he just sort of looked at looked at the end result, which was he had this huge, motivated group of people that just kind of erupted at the end of it. And I don't, and I think like I sort of, dis I feel like I kind of discovered acting more from a utilitarian okay. perspective. Not only that, but also feeling like being in a miserable situation, like you're out in the out in the woods for you know a week or something and um somebody's got to cheer these fuckers up right. <laughs> you know and uh i think i kind of discovered it 
that way. Like, uh, I need to make this interesting. I need to make this funny. I want to help people. I want, I want to enjoy myself. And that's kind of how it came about for me. I've never s- really seen any theater okay. as a kid. Did you, you know? sit down and script this out? Or did you pretty much go off cuff? Or did you base it on the patent? I mean, how did you come up with what you were going to say and make sure that it was motivational? I mean, because it had to be, it had to push some buttons if people yeah. cheer. I mean, if you're like, hey, you know, like that guy, well, that you know, restaurant I, I, manager. Well, here's the thing. I wrote it, I wrote it down first. I mean, I watched the movie over and over and over okay. again. And then I said, well, instead of, you know, I can still say America loves a winner, but and then I can say I don't like a loser, you know, the worst, and I, but I could apply it to the intramurals. You know, I don't want to see somebody who, you know, loses a basketball intramurals and comes home and laughs about it. But then, and then at some point, somebody laughed and made a comment in the audience and I just sort of started talking to them like I was this person. Okay. You know, and I started riffing on that and talking to him and then made a mistake and then corrected myself and la- and and they that's when it really came alive where i realized my gosh i'm actually improvising as this person now did it bite you i mean like everyone says like with comedy you know the first time you're on stage it really bites you you know cause yeah i says, came i came back to my room and i was just kind of stung like that then i really then, then the realization hit me okay well you've got six more months here and then five more years in the army and you know maybe give it a shot when it's all over with <laughs> you're going okay eventually you know you might have like I, I feel like david robinson now i can't go play ball you might yeah. have something now you might have something here so but so, I, I just i never really forgot that well what drew you to being doing getting the extra gig i mean you said you did an extra work in, in germany was there something right. that drew you to, did you just say you know what i'm out I got to do something. This looks cool. Or did someone say, hey, you know, there's this cool, you know, it's fun being an extra. Or, I mean, how yeah. did you end up being the extra? How did, what drew you to oh, God, going I was down a, there? I was going in a hundred different directions. I was in, I was in graduate school for tele, for like uh, systems management because I was an engineer and a math okay. major and stuff. And, um, and then I was, uh, I was also, I also applied at these um, film schools, kind of like the LA film school sort of places, not like USC or anything, but I applied at a, a little film school I was going to go to in, in Berlin. And um, somebody said, Somebody came up to me. There was an agent who was working, scouting Americans because they were making this film. It was based, um, it actually took place in Berlin in the 50s where American soldiers kind of dug this tunnel underneath and tapped into the Soviet phone line. So they wanted to get real American soldiers. So they were just, they had this one guy kind of snooping around the, um, the PX and, and I was in there shopping for jeans. And somebody said, hey, um, listen, here's my card. Give me a call. We're looking for Americans to, you know, if you want to be an extra in a movie. So yeah, I sh- I, uh, I said yeah, that sounds good. So you know, called them up, went to their went to their meeting, and then you know, I got suited up in uniform and went there and sat down, and you know, they said sit there and stir your coffee. So you know, now because because of the cause of that work. Now when you're on set for your shows, because you're the star of most of your shows, are you? Do you have a special? Feeling, I mean, a, more of a compassion for the extras because I, I went to a taping of Sullivan and Son the other day because one of the guys was there. It's so me and my girlfriend went, and they have, I guess, regular extras who are on all the time. But it seems sort of they just they they have to walk by, hey, you know, shake hand. Like it's yeah. like, they, they think. Did you sit there and go, God, I've been through that? You know, or, or, I mean, because sometimes people are like, oh, you're just extras. But do you sit there and have a certain compassion going, God, these guys, it must really suck for them at times because they're just sitting there and not doing anything. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. It's a funny bunch. I mean, there was, there was, there was uh, you know, the show extras, which kind of captured that a little bit. Even in Berlin at the time, there were professional extras. Okay. I mean, there are people that come in and they have their books, they have their cigarettes, they, you know, they know they're going to, they got a lawn chair. I mean, they're ready. They're ready to do what has to be done. There's professionals that come in and they, you know, there's no ambition to do anything more than that. You know, I'd say most of the, most of the extras that I met over there were like that. 
Um, I, do I have a personal affinity? You know, it really made it. It really was nice. Like Anthony Hopkins on the set, like knew people's names. Okay, <laughs> you know what I mean. And he didn't have to. I think one day they're serving the extras a different. They're giving us goulash, whereas they had this all this catered food for everybody else in the A cast. And he just said, "No, I'm sorry. I'm not. This is unacceptable." You know. And I thought, "Wow, look at him. He's actually." He's acting like a military right. leader. Like these are his these are his people as well, and he cares about them. So, um, yeah, but I don't care about them. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> let him eat cake. He let tried. him eat cake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I just, I actually, I do. I, I kind of, yeah, I, I've, I guess, I do. I just talk to people or whoever's around. Well, you're, you're very, you're a very approachable guy. You're a very nice guy. I mean, you've been on the show twice. I mean, you know, and that's something that. You know, it's just nice. I mean, I, as I say, sometimes I'll send comics who have like done sat in the Chelsea panel once, and you send them an, uh, a message, and they never get back to you. And you go, "Well, okay, well, gee, this person's done the Tonight Show fifty-two yeah. times. Tom Treason's on, you know, who's open for Sinatra, but you can't even get back to me." Right. I yeah. mean, it's just weird. But yeah, you have a good. You you seem very like a genuine person. I think that maybe because you're from back east, and maybe the military helped you do that. This made you more respectful and just different. You know, different. Oh. Values. I'm terrified. That's I, why. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm scared of everybody, Steve. You are scared. <laughs> he's no human target. That's he's, not respect. He's a human target with a very soft heart. That's even, that's more than respect. That's fear of everybody. <laughs> so, so after you do the Berlin movie, where do you do? You come back here, or do you? Do you I had this German. I had this German acting teacher who, um, you know, who was kind of like my Yoda. You know, I was training with him for a while, and he said, "Mark, it's just time." Like time for for what? He says, it's time for you to train with your people. And I was like, well, well, I, I kind of wanted to stay in Berlin. I I like it here, and I can speak a little German. I'm getting better at it. Maybe I can do a film in Germany. I can do a film in France, and then I can. He's like, no, no, you have to train with your people. So you come to LA. So I come to New York, and I'd had some I had some money saved up, um, and uh, not a lot, but I had maybe about like 10 or 15 grand or something saved up and I went to New York and immediately started you know stayed with like a friend for maybe a week and then a cousin for a week and was looking for an acting class and looking for a place to stay and then try to get a job and um, I you know I found um, I tried a variety of different little acting places I didn't want to go to any conservatories I wanted to I knew I had to study find a good teacher because like this German teacher had told me because you show up in my in my studio and you are soldier shut like a clam you know and um, and I knew I knew there was going to be there's going to have to be some emotional work, <laughs> right? To kind of open myself, open myself up somewhat. So I shopped around for a good teacher, and, and yeah, I was pretty fortunate. I found an apartment, and um, I got fired as a waiter. It kind of were you just not good as a waiter? I was just terrible as a waiter. <laughs> it's funny. It, it's I, well, you know, at least you admit it. I mean, it, it's one thing I've noticed though. But if you go to New York and you get good service, and I've noticed like going back east a lot. You get really good. Like out here, the service sucks half the time because it's people who they, you know, they're they're above the job. They're actors, and I'm thinking, you know, back east, you go back, and and it's people who that either they're college students or people who that's their job, and they make good money because they give great service. And the difference is that people back here are all out west are always bitching. They're getting paid minimum wage, which is eight fifty an hour. People back east get paid two dollars and sixteen cents, and there's they're happy. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Do do do. So you were awful. You were just an awful waiter. I just couldn't get the whole hang. I think it was a little bit. I was a little bit quick. I should have worked somewhere else first. Okay. This was right out. You know, wham, bam, in a French bistro outside of Union Square. And this Italian guy's like, yeah, Mark, I gotta let you go. I like you. You're a good person, but I gotta let you go. I was like, why? He goes, you know, I, uh, 
You are like, uh, I need to have soccer players. You are like a football player. <laughs> <laughs> when you carry the scoop and you carry the soup, I get scared. <laughs> it's not a good sign. <laughs> but I like you. You're a good person. You know, I was like, all right. So you get fired. And now, 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 what is the first acting gig you book? I mean, what, what were you? Wow. I mean, but I mean, you did the extra work, but I mean, yeah. not as an extra, but the first gig where you're actually saying, okay, it's not that it's it's paid off, but you know that I'm now I can call myself an actor. Oh, the first job, like maybe I can do this kind of thing. Right. Um, I, I think commercials. I mean, I started. Well, I know you're the Black Angus guy. I was a black Angus guy. <laughs> I want to talk about steak, Steve. <laughs> they, they all get pissed. They get really pissed because they, they got rid of the old, the old black Angus guy. Well, it's so funny because I they the, brought they brought him back. They said, did they? want that young black Angus guy. We want they, the old one back. But he had died, so. <laughs> <laughs> he ate too much steak. <laughs> <laughs> he had already, him and the Marlboro man used to hang out. And would, so, yeah. I mean, it's funny because the black Angus now, the commercials are just like, they're awful. It's like you hear them on the radio. I'm going to get me some Russell me up. No one talks like that. Like, I, I want to turn yeah. the stage like, oh, come on down to get the mud pie and a wagon wheel. And like, really, are people actually ordering a wagon wheel appetizer? And I go, I go to the Black Angus in Burbank to watch the Philadelphia Eagles games because no one's ever in there. And I get my yeah. own TV yeah. and they have 15 TVs and they turn the volume up. But what, okay, so. But, they had a funny but, commercial once. Though. I remember there was one scene where a guy shows up to pick up his girlfriend and she says, I'll be right down just a minute. And he's like, well. I just want to let you know I only I left the truck running. I only got a quarter tank of gas or something. And that was you? Yeah. No, it was, do you know well, I went to the audition pretending. I'd just done a Western down in West Texas, this independent Western, which was horrible. And I, um, so I decided to go to the audition because on auditions, they don't – if they have an audition for a, like a circus clown, you're going to have like 25 circus clowns, right. real circus clowns coming from like Kansas – audition for this thing so sure enough i you know I, I and there's trucks with you know dually tires and the gun racks and stuff so i decided just to go and pretend i was actually from texas for the audition so that was my little coup that guy from syracuse got a job as the black angus now now it was that your, well, what was your first paid gig first paid gig um first paid gig was on voiceover does that count yeah yeah it was a voiceover that i did for the army about trying to you know saying join the army you could you know do kens deutsch you can in deutschland and i'll still cvn or whatever which was you know you can learn german while you serve and i remember getting the audition for it thinking wow if i don't get this job then i might as well pack it up and go home because this is essentially what i did i was in the army and i learned german over there and did they know you i mean when you got the audition did people know you were in the army or it was just no i don't think they cared okay just, like, just yeah. go ahead read this copy and see what happens now have you ever done a voiceover i mean how did they figure out that you should be i mean usually it's like it says send the real or whatever voiceovers how did they know that you would wanted to get in the voiceovers or it just you saw it and you got they just said come on in and read oh i think i had a voiceover agent that knew i had been out of the army okay and that was kind of a novelty back in those days it was an army really what kind of an animal are you nowadays there's a lot of veterans who've had you know they've had combat experience. I mean, there's real veterans that are <laughs> that are walking around now. Oh, yeah. But at the time, it was really sort of a novelty, and people would remember it. And they said, "Oh, that's right. This one guy w that we're hip pocketing for commercials does was in the army. Maybe we should send him in for this voiceover." And that's what they did. So I got. It. I think I paid two hundred and fifty dollars. Right. Well, there you go. It's yeah. a start, though. So, okay, so you uh, you're in New York now. When I know you booked a soap opera. How long into that? How long into your career was that? Were you still in New York, or did you come to LA for that? I was still in New York. Okay, I've been in New York almost. Um, between almost like a year and a half two years or so and i've been taking classes things for even though I'd, I'd done maybe three or three national commercials 
Um, Which were the other ones? I guess and what else? Oh, I did. Uh, I did black. I did. Um, um, foot, a Foot Locker one. Okay. I played one of the guys that worked in a Foot Locker. And I play. I was in a Nintendo commercial. All right. And, so, um, so you're doing well. I mean, you're making money. You're yeah. in commercials. And then how does the soap opera come along? Soap opera comes along. I get an audition. I did I did a recurring part on uh, soap opera Another World where I played this priest, Father Peter, who just keeps spending time with this one woman and spiritually whatever they were doing. I don't know. Yeah. Had come on. Come on, Mark. <laughs> he found a reason to get into civilian clothes, this priest. <laughs> you know what I mean? He was always hanging out at the coffee shop. <laughs> Who's this cool priest at the coffee shop? The hip, good-looking priest who speaks German. In a purple suede jacket. I was like, why am I wearing a purple suede jacket? No, you're lying. You're lying. I swear to God. And I said, why am I wearing... And I was new. I said, why am I wearing a purple suede jacket? And the guy's like, don't worry. It's going to read as denim. You don't... Have you worked on television before? I was like, no. It'll read as denim. It read as a purple suede jacket. I learned my lesson never to listen to anybody at all on a, on, while I work on a film set. That's just too funny. A priest <laughs> at a coffee shop in a purple. It's like it's like one of those things like a Saturday Night Live sketch. You know, it's yeah, just yeah. like one of those things. Hi, I'm Father Peter. Yeah, I had to learn all this Jewish stuff too because he had to give an ecumenical service, and I had to learn like Baruch Atah and I Eluhenu and all this. So you're doing that. It's crazy. So how does how does days uh, everybody like, acts guilty around you too? Well, uh, is that seriously? Well, you can spot the Catholics. You put on a you dress like a priest, and the Catholics are like, Burr. that's no. funny. That's so funny. So you, you're you're recurring on that. And I'm then, recurring on that. I did maybe three or four episodes of that, and uh, then I got an then I got an audition for Days of Our Lives, and I thought that it shot. In, I thought all soaps. I didn't. I thought there was going to be one or two that shot in L.A. L.A. was just something that was so f- distant for me at that point. It was. I know some guys are going out there for pilot season, but I thought I just got to. I'm not finished. I wanted to spend two years solid studying, and if I could make a little money on the side, fine. But that was that was my deal. But um, I auditioned for this part, and they uh, had me fly out for a screen test. And I remember. I still remember this one line where. I'm yelling at this, I'm, I'm kind of in this impassioned conversation with this, with my love interest, right? And uh, I had this line, and I remember the tail end of the line was, you will never meet a man who will lock another man in the trunk of his car again <laughs> for you. Right? And I, and, uh, and I remember saying that, and, like, and I think trying to bite my lip at the end of it to not laugh Right. They, I think they interpreted it as some sort of, I mean, it was emotion, right? It's a wave that I had to ride somehow. <laughs> they, re- they, they interpreted, interpreted it as intensity. It as me, like intensity and like holding something back. Oh, They God. didn't know, but it was just, it was just hysterical laughter. So you booked that part. Booked the part. Now, was that shot here or New York? That was shot in, in uh, Burbank, not too far from here. Okay, so, so then you had to move out to L.A. Had to move to L.A. And I didn't, I thought, what? I can move to L.A. But Where did you first move to? Stand the Oakwood. Okay, street, it's yeah. so funny. I saw it was um, in, in one of the magazines because I get all these magazines. I think it was in Details or Esquire. They actually did a whole thing. Or no, it was Entertainment Weekly. My girlfriend gets that. It was they did this whole thing about Oakwood, and they show like the young kids and their young kids and their parents yeah. move in, and they charge like twenty five hundred dollars for like a one bedroom because it's furnished. Yeah, and twenty five hundred dollars for a, for a series of headshots for some of these kids. It's kind of a scam they have. Right oh, they do. They, they they did a documentary about it as well about all about people that are coerced. You know, they might there'll be the scouts that go to these shopping malls in Ohio and say, oh, you should really bring your kid out there, and the kid comes out. And I mean, a lot of it's you know, there's there's kids that have got legit work there but um 
yeah, the the the, the vultures are just hanging over the trees, looking in at that place. <laughs> crazy. I know, and, and, and it, <laughs> you know? It, it's like it's when you sit there, it's like in this. It almost like cult like when you drive up like no one drives and unless you're going to Hollywood you never really drive that the only thing there's a cheap flowers yeah, and the, the, the sign that says $99 <laughs> bottle of uh, Dom yeah, yeah. and if you sit there and you look it's like it's like this winding road and you go up and I never yeah. been, I mean I've lived in Burbank for 12 years and I used to be involved in business so I mean I, I knew a lot of people who owned different businesses I was very involved with the Chamber of Commerce I've never even driven up in there and I'm afraid to drive up there I'm afraid they're like they're gonna like tie me up or something it's like a bunch of Stepford wives like coyotes are gonna come yeah. and just eat, eat, eat your innards so you did, know? did you like it was so bizarre though I mean you're yeah. sitting around the pool on weekends they're always, they're always, and then there's always these independent bands that come in to, to record an album or something Okay, a lot of them stayed there so there's these like skinny tattooed guys you know kind of strung out on the side of the pool and then there's um, you know the mothers with their little tiny kids and then there's me, the soap actor. Did, did people recognize you when you were at the pool? And then were they probably like... I didn't recognize because I didn't went on the show yet. I didn't, okay. I was just starting to, was just starting to air. So, and, um, but that, that happened. So when, you, so when you started, you knew it was a secure job. Did you leave the Oakwood? Yeah, I left after a few months, yeah. Okay, so I went and got an apartment, but I was still sort of indie back then. You know, I got an apartment at the uh, Villa Carlotta on Franklin Avenue. Like near Franklin and Beachwood, you know where the bourgeois pig and the okay, yeah. and then it used yeah. to be the uh, the market was there. The, uh, the there's a supermarket because um, my buddy used to live up on Beachwood on Chamoy. Yeah, the, the Ralphs used to be right there. No, before it was Ralphs, it was it was an independent market. Was it? Because we used to go up Gower, and then we go on Beachwood, and he lived up Beachwood and yeah. on a road called Charamoya, and there was a yeah. market because we used to get this beer called Hebrew because it cracked us up because it was a Jewish guy, <laughs> right. the chosen beer. Was it called the you chosen? Know a, you know, there's a, a nunnery up there. Really? Yeah, right up that little hill. There's a little place where there's just it's closed off. There's a big stone gate, and there's nuns. And they were a purple suede. Uh, they would like, on the weekends. They would sell muffins. <laughs> like, my God! This is, and then go a little farther up, and that's where, you know, Courtney Love was right. a raging party till one yeah, o'clock. That's funny. So after after uh, you leave days, now did right. you did you just leave? You said I was tired of it, or did they write your character off, or did they bring the original Jack back, or I mean, how would that? Did you sit there, or was it an amicable split, or? Well, here's the deal. I just started dating the lead actress on that show, okay. right? And it was an unfortunate situation because her previous boyfriend was the trainer of the executive producer. Okay. So everybody was pissed that the, what was what was happening to me, and they were renegotiating. My, they wanted they asked me to stay initially, and I said, "Nah, I don't really want to." Then they kind of upped it a little bit to this really good money, and I thought. Uh, maybe and then I had a manager at the time who said Mark listen I thought you said you wanted to, to move on from this I thought you said you wanted to go and do something else so I was kind of hemming and hawing meanwhile my last six months on the show they, they had arranged the story so that my character was in jail okay sitting in a, a jail a bunk <laughs> you're like this is great you know? that's why I went to acting school yeah, that's just why every acting. scene was like with me and my cellmate <laughs> I, I think they were trying to tell me something make a decision you know I should have get off the pot and um, and then I said no, I don't want to stay. And then they announced that they'd fired me because they wanted somebody younger. Okay, so <laughs> then, you know it's so funny with the soap operas because, yeah, yeah. like especially days, like everyone comes back. Like you sit there and you go, okay, well now we have Roman Brady, but he's someone else. But then the original Roman Brady comes back. So then this guy's John Black or this guy's, yeah. and it's like, wait, how many Roman Bradys are there? It's like, oh, there's Bo Brady's twin brother. I mean, it's just it's so yeah. weird. It's just that writing on that. It must have been weird for you because the writing on that show is just so damn bizarre. Yeah, it really is. I mean, as an actor, you must sit there and go, what the? Really? The aliens just came down and, like, stole my wife? I mean, what was it? I mean, did you just laugh at some of the scripts? 
I did. I did. It was. It was pretty. It was pretty. But you know, <clears throat> um, my character was. Uh, it was a pretty standard story. I mean, he he had a he had a child with his wife, and he left his wife, and he wanted to spend more time with his kid, but she was moving on with somebody else. So essentially, that was the story that was going on. I mean, around it, there was all these people who were, um, you know, she possessed and trapped in the catacombs. I right. mean, Stefano got the crazy <laughs> stuff, you know, and he was part devil, part. God, I don't yeah, know. I, I don't even know. Never have really narrowed it down. He owned a car wash. And he hung in out Burbank. in the coffee shop. And he hung out in the coffee shop in Salem too. At the same time, I can remember John Black. I remember I could tell stories about that. But you know, it's funny because about ten years later, fifteen years later, when did I leave the show? Ninety four. About ten years later, I'm in Africa. I wanted to go. I had a friend who's working at an embassy, and he said, "Hey, come visit me in Tanzania." So I go get to the airport, get a taxi, drive. We're driving along. He's like, "You look like somebody I know." And he's driving, and I'm driving by this, like, you know, this, I don't know if you've ever been to Africa, no. but it's, it's just like everything's kind of, there's all this, this one part of, it, it just looks like a, some really bad parts of Florida. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's yeah. just, everything's just clapboarded and thrown together, and it's rusting, and there's loud engines, and there's just roaring, and there's, you know, um, just extreme poverty, and kids laying around. And, and I'm thinking, I, you know, I look, you probably don't know me. I, you know, I, I used to be um, on american tv though. right he goes no 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 you are mr jackie and i'm like why well well yeah it's a good memory i mean it used to be jack i, I left the right. show 10 years ago he goes, no 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 <laughs> you are on the tv today <laughs> so i was like i was like they have two channels in tanzania so i was like um i was a big star there and you called your agent hey am i getting a residual so we're, driving, so we're driving along a little later after this quiet moment where i think he's a little bit unsure of who to how to talk to me because he saw me on t whatever he's confused right and finally he goes um you help me you know and i was like what what are you what are you talking about he goes as mr jackie i watch mr jackie i was like i, I, I know but what do you well, i have a baby with a woman and she is with another man and they don't let me see my baby just like mr jackie isn't that just? Isn't that weird though? I mean, it's so it's so weird how like TV, you know, TV really transcends and, like and making, affects people. And I was just making fun of the soap the whole time I was on it, but I realized, my God, here's somebody who's watching that and just saying, "Why? Well, here's somebody else going through what I'm going through." And, and ten years later in Africa, I mean, I mean, it's just in so, Africa, it's so bizarre. Yeah. So after that, we're going to talk. Well, first, I want to talk about when I saw you in. Uh, I'm going to flash forward very quick. When I saw yeah. you in uh, Zero Dark Thirty, yeah. How did that? Cause did you? Did you? seek out to be in that because me and my girlfriend were watching it and it's at it's the end if people have haven't seen it well tough crap it's probably it's been out forever but i'm like we both look and we say i go because she's a fan and i'm like i think it's mark valley so we waited because she usually is like if it's not a comedy she wants to leave for the credits because comedies right. the credits like we saw hangover three the other night and there's credits you have to wait for the credits but yeah. dramas they don't do like at the end going hey you know and we waited you know it's like hey look come, come see the sequel like the osama bin laden getting up and going oh my god I'm gonna do a shuffle, dude. My God, my back is killing me, you guys. How that my hair is sticking? <laughs> it's look, I'm bald. Yeah. <laughs> so did, how did that come along? Did you? Did, that, did you? I like how you. I like how you said. Did I seek that out? Yeah, I paid them to be in it. No, 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 not pay. You know what I'm saying? Well, here's the here's the deal. I, I auditioned um, around the time that they were making it, and um, I auditioned for one of the Navy SEAL guys, and um, hadn't heard anything back. But you know, I thought they'd cast everything. But then I got a call later. They said, Mark, look, they're in Jordan now. They they um they want you. And, uh, you know, Catherine and the producers, they loved your audition, and they want you to fly out there because they got a part for you. You're going to be a helicopter pilot, so it's going to be great. 
And um, so I called I called you know some friends of mine that I knew that had had flown those those types of missions and got some information about being a helicopter pilot. I was really excited. I get there, and um, uh, after about a couple of days of shooting, like some ex- some stuff in the helicopters where I was just more like a glorified extra. They said, "Look, Mark, we're cutting all the helicopter stuff because we don't have enough money. There's a lot of dialogue. We're going to cut that out." Uh, another thing is you're gonna have a helmet on. We're not gonna know it's you. But we've written this other scene, and we, we, we you know, instead of casting with somebody else, we, we'd like you to do it. It's kind of it's a little bit quieter, more intimate scene with the lead actress. I said, Oh, really? What is it? And I read it, and it's, you know, I say to her, Where do you want to go? And, you know, you must be pretty important because you're the only person here. And she kind of doesn't say anything. And then I say, Well, you know, where do you want to go? And then she starts crying. And I thought, Well, this is kind of nuts. So we show up for the rehearsal, and I, I start saying to her, you know, wow, you're pretty important. You're the only person sitting here today. And, um, uh, the director's like, Mark, could you stand back a little farther? So I'm like, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> Best advice I got. Could you back away from the actresses, Mark? <laughs> you know? I said, thank her. She knows me, you know. So we get we get the, th- get the thing, and then I'm, I'm like, listen, hey, you know, you're the only person here. Well, you know, you're the only you're, 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 How do you feel? You feel sad? She goes, okay, Mark, let's do it one more time. Can you back up even more? So I'm like, give up. So I'm like, hey, are you Maya? Yeah, because um, you're the only person you could sit with. And I had this whole monologue I give where I'm kind of yelling. And then we're, she's like, all right, we're ready to shoot. And just about ready to shoot. She goes, can we turn the engines on too? So she turns on. So this turbine engine's going. I'm at the back of my little intimate scene. I'm at the back of the plane. You know what I mean? I'm screaming. Hey! My face is all scrunched up. Where do you want to go? And then they come back. They're going to do take two. And they say, Mark, can you do it again one more time? Um, and I was in, went to West Point, right? And I was in the Army for five years. Right. One more piece of direction. Can you could you be a little more military? <laughs> I was going to ask you that. I was going to ask you that if they said anything like not knowing you were in the military. Like, well, the funny you. thing was, though, is like in my career up to that point, and I, you know you choose your own milestones based on it. They could be ridiculous things. But up to that point, a lot of people had asked me, could you, Mark, can you relax? Can you relax a little? Um, so I, I'd sort of spent the past 20 years becoming a civilian and sort of feeling, finding ways to be able to play the military stuff but also let it go as well. And it took quite a bit of time. I mean, it's, it's a transition becoming a civilian after spending that much time. Well, I'm sure. I'm sure. It's just it's a know? different lifestyle. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Lifestyle, it's, a different, it's a whole different way of expressing yourself physically as well. And um, so I sort of feel like, wow, yeah, I, you know. So what did you Somebody think? Somebody told me to be more military. Know, of course, it's the same thing they told me when I was in the military. Right. <laughs> but, no, but, I, but I took it as like progress, you know, like, wow, you become a civilian. Now, you've been on a bunch of shows. Yeah. Okay, what would you say is, I mean, you're, you're body, I'm a human target, people know we fringe, body of proof. What would you say you've been recognized the most from, like, or that you have like a, like, fan, I'm sure you get fan mail. Right. I mean, what do, you, what do you think has been to the public the role that they've said wow like i mean because you play different characters human target yeah. you're playing a different character you know and you, you look down the list keen eddie which was a great show and uh, and you played so you know you always get you always get your ass kicked in that didn't you yeah 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 now now, did, now how is that gay because i mean i'm sure you're trained because you're in the military you know how to fight would you ever sit there on a scene where like they're kicking your ass and just be like natural instinct come because i know anyone in the military gets trained to defend themselves right i mean yeah. so, so would that ever did you ever sit there and almost sit there have your instinct kicked in where when a guy you're supposed to take a punch and just drop where you would, would just flinch out or did that never happen well it takes it takes some really it takes a lot of focus to be the one who's getting beat up because okay. when you're doing a film like a set like that the one that person that really makes it most convincing is the person that's getting hit not really the the punching and the the, the, the throwing and um i noticed that from working as 
you know, being a human target, being the one who's beating everybody up. It's, you know, if the guys who are really good stuntmen know how to act it out and kind of physicalize what it feels like to get hit here and hit here and how it reverberates through the whole body. They sold it. But that said, I think the, the thing people recognized me for the most was probably Keen Eddie. Okay. And, and, and I'd have to say quantitatively over time. I mean, first of all, it was a soap, but they've started to kind of relax a little bit. But um, it'd have to be Keen Eddie because people are like, wow, dude. That's usually a little wink, like, wow, I like that part. What? No, I'm saying that, that was that was a very different show at the time. I mean, I think it was it yeah. was, was it yeah. one or two cameras? Or it was, what was what was? I mean, it just I remember it was quirky, just the way it was cut or something. Had, it just they had seemed two different. cameras. It was cut like sort of like Guy Ritchie did his was doing okay. his movies at the time where you would kind of fast cut. It was one of the first shows that sort of they started they found some innovative ways to get through all the. Um, um, what do they call it? Extrapolation or uh, exposition? Okay. Instead of one character saying, "Well, if you didn't go and do this, then we could have done that." We could. They would show a quick flashback of it, or they would kind of fast forward, you know, to the to the moment where the action happens. You know, you'd see two guys walking up the stairs, and it would be like, <laughs> and then they're there, and the scene starts. Now, what was the audition process for that? Did they seek you out, or did you on months end? Did you have to go through a few auditions, or was it just like, but they they knew you, or you went in and they said, "This is the guy." I auditioned for it once, and. Um, you know, it was nothing. Didn't get called back. Then I got a call from, uh, like, I, I, I tested for another show, and one of the producers or head of Paramount said, Paramount TV said, "Hey, take a look at this guy." So then they said, "Well, what did he do? What has he done?" And they showed um, something that I'd done the year before, which is a show called Pasadena, which was with Mike White, where I played this sort of obnoxious kind of man-child. I remember that show. Um, kind of a twisted. Like in Mike White's way, because it's this really sort of twisted guy. But Mike White having a twisted script. Yeah, but I was like this twisted. <laughs> I was like this twisted, outgoing, friendly guy. Okay, you know, which was kind of fun. And um, and the director Simon West had had seen that and said, um, uh, "Oh no!" They said, "Can you get some tape on the guy?" And um, so I. I drove to the casting directors and took that a piece of tape from this one scene I picked out from Pasadena, where he's like walking through a hallway, and the director saw that and said, um, "Wow, that's uh, that's something. Bring him back in." So they brought me in a couple of times um, for the screen test. I mean, I remember Joel Wyman, one of my favorite showrunners of all time. He ended up working on Fringe, but I'd already left by that point. But he said, um, "He goes, listen, I got to tell you something." What he goes, "You already got the part, okay?" But um, I just want you to calm down and just enjoy yourself and, and have a good time because I think you're the guy. And that pretty much helped me immensely. One of the things I think I really liked about Keenetti that worked, and you mentioned it, was that he would get beat up. Right. And I would always mention it in, um, in he, yeah, this show I did, Human Target. I mean, some people, they, they want a hero, but they don't. You know, your hero's got to overcome right, stuff. Right. I always wanted him to get beat up more often. In Human Target? Yeah, but you had such a group of people who were so... When you have a show called The Human Target, and he's like, and he's the man, everybody wants you to kick ass. Right, yeah, of course. <laughs> you know, it's like trying to throw a game. It's like you don't something. want to see Ultraman get beaten by uh, Mothzilla, you know? It's yeah, like, come it's, like on. Everybody, it's like you're working for this you know, football team, and everybody's like, oh, we, we want you to drop a pad. Right. Like, nobody's going to tell him to do that. Now, did you have to train for that? I mean, well, first of all, Keenan, did you ever actually take a punch that you were like... Did you ever get... I got punched a few on times. A soap opera pretty hard one time. Did, there was, was a it girl and I, I didn't know it. I just thought, how hard could it be for this little girl to slap me? How hard could she really slap me? So I was really into realism and stuff and studying method acting. So I said, why don't you just go ahead and slap me? And she, <laughs> whack, and she hit me right there on the button, right there on the jaw. And I, my legs felt a little weak, you know? Wow. 
and it felt kind of dizzy. And you can see me about ready to crack up again, but kind of biting through my lip. And I think they thought I was biting back some emotion again. And, uh, <laughs> see, that's your that's your that's that your was thing. the hardest I've ever been hit with right. that girl. Now, in human target, Melissa Reeves was her name. In she, days of her life, she's still on. And yeah. she almost knocked her down. She almost, she almost he almost got beat up by a chick. The human target almost got beat up by a chick. He did. Yeah, <laughs> I get hit hard. Now, the, I had to train a little bit, but I, you know, but beforehand, I've always been lucky. Some, sometimes I'll think, you know, I'd like to be I'd like to be able to do was action show so i got into kickboxing and some uh, muay thai and stuff and started working on that bef- maybe about a couple years before the audition for human target even came around so i was a little ready for it well what's weird is you know you you've gone back and forth you know you i mean human target and keen eddie were sort of you know the 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 let's say the wise ass you know who got beat up and then you do roles like boston legal where you're a lawyer and then harry's law what did you play in harry's law Lawyer. So I mean, is it weird because you're like you're going back from like this rogue guy to a lawyer? I mean, is it? I mean, th- does that is that challenge you at times? Because you, I mean, I mean, you go from Human Target, you go from Boston Legal, where you're like a lawyer. You're, I mean, it's not it's not a physical role. Then you go to something like Human Target, where it's physical and you're just beating the crap out of everybody. I mean, how do you set in your mind frame for that? You sit there and go, okay. I mean, it's all. I'm sure you take it all as acting, but you do a method thing where you go, okay. Do you study a lawyer and then do you study someone crazy? I mean, how do you get to that lawyer point? Uh, I guess like any actor, you just sort of, um, you know, there's there's it's character work, and uh, it you know it can you can take in a lot of different a lot of different things information wise. A lot of it com- comes out of the script. I get a feeling for who this person is, and then I start working on his posture. I know on on um, on. Uh, or sometimes you have something as simple as just like a line you're repeating in your head. Okay. You know, that can... And I think the, the key thing with the human target was I um, I just... Ch- I, I made a subtle shift with my posture, which was to roll my shoulders back and stay on the balls of my feet. Really? That, that, was, that was my thing. And how did you of, figure that out? And it sort of changed. So the girl I was going out with at the time told me, she goes, Mark, put the, you're just hunching yourself. So I kind of took that and then I sort of watched my stuntman as well. And I noticed that... He was always very relaxed, but he was kind of on the balls of his feet. Okay. So I would watch the way, and he's this really fantastic athlete, and I would kind of watch the way he would move, and then he would watch the way that I would move so he could imitate me as well. So we ended up kind of coming up with this combination. So it was a combination of those things. What do you prefer playing? Well, now also in a body of proof, though, you play sort of a mix because you're a cop, but you're not really like, you're sort of a, you're sort of a wise ass, and you know, and, and it's, but you're not like human target. You're, did, did everyone ever try to beat you up when they saw you out thinking you were actually like the human target? Like I heard, I heard Rockford, James Garner used to, people try to beat him up in bars because he was, you know, they go, oh, you're such a tough guy. Did anyone ever sit there and like, oh, you ain't no human target? No, but I could, I could definitely, as opposed to maybe Keen Eddie or, or some other shows, you could just, some guys would sort of, the peacock feathers would be kind of okay. going up. Not, maybe not the peacock, maybe like the, um, the posturing. Okay, so they. I mean, you don't see people like. Because they think, oh, you yeah. You roll their shoulders back a little bit, you know? <laughs> and after but a like few me, cocktails. And not like this. It's not like, look, I saw it. Not like, me, you know, talking to you at 180 degrees. It'd like talk to you full on, like, okay, I like to you in Target. It was funny. I guess that's the thing. Yeah, they probably go, because people don't decipher it. It's just a, it's a reaction. It's like, you know, they're like, oh, he's, you know, he might hit me if I don't say something nice. Yeah, it was funny. I, saw these t- I was at this skiing place one time, and this guy says, hey, you're the, you, you were on, um, human target right I'm like yeah he goes could you just wait here just a sec I want to introduce you to somebody I said sure and he, he yells over to his kids he's like maybe 12 and 13 or something he's like you know Alex you know Hunter or whatever their names are now these days and, um, and these kids are like dad what 
you know, we're doing, get ready to go on the thing. He's like, no, come on over here. He goes, Dad, we're just going to get ready to go. He goes, come, come, trust me, come over here. And they're like, oh. And they both kind of slough over and they see me and they, you can see them just stand up and go, oh, hey. That's funny. You know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. They, and I thought, oh, this is the first time I'd ever had young kids is, you know, that, that had watched my shows. See, that's cool, though. That's cool. Now, now with um, Body of Proof, now, how did that part come along? Because, I mean, you, you were, Harry's Law was done. And then you done. were, I know you were doing at the time, you were starting to do a little more stand up. Right. And were, did you see a series in your future? And did they come to you? I mean, and now I'm sure you don't really have to go through like the audition process because you've been in a lot. I mean, you're a known name and the people know you and you've been in a lot of series. Did well, they- you think that, but auditioning is still, I really think it's pretty important, even okay. for shows that seem like they want to give you an offer. Because I also find out on, a, on an audition whether or not I really want to spend the time on, okay. on that show I mean it, it can really gauge my own level of interest and, and passion for it. I mean sometimes a show sounds great on paper but once you start actually doing the material and saying the lines it can be a little different but um, I had to audition for it too I still had to screen test at the network they just kind of called up and said look we're looking to uh, you know change the show around and um, uh, you know they're going to move some people and that had happened to me on a previous show before like Human Target the second season they kind of brought some new people on and in Harry's Law, they'd done the same thing, and and uh, so I was just coming on as a new person. I'd worked with Dana Delaney before on Pasadena. Okay, she played my um, my sister on that. We had a great time working together, and I think that might have had something to do with it. I know when they might have probably mentioned my name, she um, has always been a real supporter. She liked the suede jacket, the purple suede. He's appreciative. I think she saw the purple suede. I think she yeah, she might have been on China Beach while I had the purple suede jacket on. Yeah. <laughs> that might have been it. Now that shot out here, of course. That shot right here, not far from here, actually. Did you ever go to Philadelphia at all? Because I just no. did the exteriors no. here. No. Now, did you like playing a cop? I mean, from playing law after playing lawyers, yeah. was it was it fun playing a cop? Because you you could, and because you were a little bit wise ass, and you're a gun toting guy, and, you know, and you could let yourself go. I mean, it was a role where you you don't have to sit there and be. I mean, when you're a lawyer, you got to probably mind your p's and q's because you yeah. have to be the lawyer. But as a cop, everyone's like, okay, you know, and he's he's an Irish cop from Philly, you know, Callahan, you know, and it's like I'm the comic Jimmy Schubert's dad's a detective, was a detective in the Philly, and it's like, yeah, you get that. And growing up in the area, you go, oh yeah, it's an Irish cop in Philly. He's going to be a wise ass. I mean, was that was that fun for you? Uh, I like playing cop. I used to be afraid, terrified of cops. You know, um, I like playing police. Because, um, especially detective, because you're on the outside, you're always an outsider. People think, oh, you want to play the cop because you're in charge. It's like, no, you're not. I mean, most detectives, are, they're, they're, they're observant and they're watching things and they're reacting to things possibly. And um, they're kind of reading cues and they're thinking. There's always a lot to do as a, as a detective. Whereas um, a lawyer, quite often, you're, you know, you're playing, um, you know, something scripted. You're in court, you're getting ready, you're trying to prove your point. There's a lot of... There's a lot of um, debate going on. There's a lot of debate going on. But playing, um, yeah, playing a detective is fun. You can kind of watch what's going on. You're somewhat of an outsider, and there's, and there's something relaxing about that. But but there's also plenty to do. Now you're doing a lot. You, you do you do TV constantly. And uh, do you want to do a crossover to movies? Or are you doing? Are you do some things? I know you know. Is there something? Well, here's my theory. If I, I can lose ten pounds, I can probably get another TV series. If I lose fifteen, then I can probably get in the movies. No. <laughs> <laughs> Reality? Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll see what happens. But I think I really have to spend some time being unavailable. Okay, uh, I mean, maybe being available. I mean, yeah, because you always work. I mean, it's like right. every, I mean, you've you've con- you've pretty much consistently worked for what 15, 10, 12, 15 years, more or less. Yeah, and it's like it's one of those things. People probably sit there and go, "Well, we don't want to." Oh, well, we could contact Mark Valley, but he's probably 
booked on something because like, I mean it's something that because <laughs> yeah. pe- you I mean you are one of those people it's like uh, my guest yesterday we were talking about Thomas Gibson same thing you know from after Chicago they've always you guys constantly work and so you pretty much they I think you guys get that unattainable status it's like it's like that headliner in comedy who someone's like oh I'd love him to come do my uh, little one nighter but you know he makes all this money and how, a lot of times the guys are like I would just love to go and do like Dude, 10 I minutes I am so attainable yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what's coming up in your future? Are you, are you going to start doing comedy again? I'm, or? Doing, a com- I'm doing a show um, June 11th at the House of Blues. Okay. And it's, it's a new comedy venue that's going on there. I think Eliza Schlesinger is doing it and um, Steve Hofstetter as well. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be doing um, a set there, June 11th, House of Blues. And um, other than that, I'm, uh, you know, writing, still doing some other, I don't know what my next, next gig is going to be, but um, I'm auditioning. Well, would you ever sit there and do a, like a web series? I mean, would you ever, is that something you thought of, like a, a crazy character or something? I don't know if you know the character. Yeah, yeah. I'm sick, I was kind of putting. I wrote a sketch the other day, and, and um, there's there's some that kind of take place in this one area where I where I used to live in Venice, which is a little bizarre. So I, I thought maybe that'd be kind of interesting to put something. No, I think yeah, because I think it's, it's something that you know you you sit there and you have you know you want to do. I know you you want to do it, and you haven't really done a comedy. And I know you would you would you want to do a if someone gave you a sitcom, would you say I would love to do that or do you want to stick to drama? I would love it, yeah. Honestly, I like doing drama. I like kind of finding humor in, in the serious stuff. Maybe that's my experience in the military. I'm not really right. sure. But that's sort of a way that I'm kind of adept at. But, you know, I, I, would try, I want to try everything. So, yeah, sitcom, why not? I have a movie idea. I have a script. I think you could be the perfect lead. Let's talk. We'll talk about that. Last no, time I'm, I heard that, somebody said, you, look, you could be Herman Hessler. You know? they, no, this is actually it's, it's a, as a mascot. But it's about, it's it's a long story. But it's actually it's, okay. It's actually, I got time. No, you know, I, I think it was something you'd be good at because you're you're physical and you're flexible, but you're also likable. I would have to change the character a little bit because you're not, you're not as much of a schlub as this guy. Right. <laughs> it takes place in Philly, you know. So how can people get in touch with you? Uh, do you have a website or do you tweet? Are uh, you I got tweeting? A t- I'm a tweeting. I'm at Yes Mark Valley. Okay. Now, do you tweet a lot? Do you? I tweet maybe once a week or so. Okay. I, I want to. I'd like to be able to. I'd like to start getting into a little more. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm tweeting now. And uh, that's probably the best way. You should uh, tweet your jokes because you, know, you got to. I mean, how is your act? But we have only a few minutes left. I haven't seen your act. Do you do more one line stuff or do you do more theatrical, like sketches? I mean, how does your stand up act convey? Um, it sort of conveys more of like uh, sort of just personal stories of like me. I, I wouldn't say I get into stories or anything, but um, it's just sort of me and my life and what's, what's going on. A lot of it's observational. Um, you know, there is a bit where I kind of allude to being a really, really, really good-looking guy. Okay. <laughs> what life is like <laughs> for me? Well, you are. Which doesn't guy. get a lot of sympathy from other comics. You well, know, they yeah. think like, "Oh my god." Yeah. Well, you're like one of those guys. You're yeah. doing comedy. and You're really good-looking. It's like when Steve Scroven, who's a writer, was you know, you play football for Yale, and he's a very good-looking guy. It's like for comics, we're like, "Why are you guys doing comedy?" Yeah. Right, right? yeah, yeah. This is our one chance to get Dude, hot. It's our babes. one chance. This is a, and you're why are you? And, and wait, oh wait, you were in network TV, and you've been in TV series, and you're tre- tremendously handsome. And thanks, man. You know what? Now I have to go get the fat chick. Thanks. Yeah, I, I was. You know, you're like the guy as an if you hosted it, you'd be, you'd be pulling chicks from the headliner. And the headliners, when I was on the road, the headliner always got the hot chicks. And you had to take the bullet for the team when you were a feature. And you're like, you don't want to come a headliner because of money. You want to become a headliner to get the hot chicks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, how often do you, do you also do? Uh, do you get up on stage a lot now, or just every once in a while? No, I was I was in Germany for a for a good month and a half or so, so I took a little bit of time off. But now I'm getting up about once a week. Okay, and do you have uh, anything besides the House of Blues? Any cameo experiences or anything coming up? God, is there anything coming up? That's all right. 
Tim Tumbleweed just tweet, rolled tweet, by. Tweet, tweet, <laughs> people, follow him on Twitter, people. Follow me on Twitter. We'll see and what's going see. on. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you for coming back. And, uh, my pleasure. It was, my it was pleasure, actually it was a, it was much it's much more fun this time. Not on your part, on my part, because I'm actually yeah. breathing, and it's uh it's been it's been a weird year. It's been a great year, one yeah. of the best years of my life. But it's been odd. But I want to thank you again and follow me at yes mark. Is there an underscore or anything or is no? Just, just yes mark Valley. People follow him. Also follow me at Cooper Talk on Twitter at Cooper Talk on Twitter. Uh, June nineteenth, I will be at Parks Casino in Ben Salem, Pennsylvania. Check it out. It's at ten minutes outside Philadelphia, right off Street Road. It's uh, my friend Joe Conklin's show. Also go to my website coopertalk.net. I have about one hundred and fifty episodes up. Email me at cooper at indie one hundred com. Every Thursday night around midnight, I will call. I call in to the uh, Big Daddy Graham show on 94 WIP Sports Radio Philadelphia and I talk Hollywood and also go into iTunes or Stitcher Radio type in one word Cooper Talk and as I said please send me an email Cooper at Indy 100 I want emails I gotta get emails I'll send you one good send me one and people people listening uh, I have some great guests coming up uh, Sue Costello uh, Roger Cabler just a great listen thank you for listening I'm Steve Cooper I'm only as hip as my guests have a great weekend